Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, now we're going to talk to Dr. Marilyn Singleton, an incredibly great lady. It's Dr. Marilyn Singleton, MD, JD, about her op-ed, COVID-19, speaking up in black and white. Dr. Singleton is a board-certified anesthesiologist. She is past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. She graduated from Stanford and earned her MD at UCSF Medical School. While still working in the operating room, she attended UC Berkeley Law School, focusing on constitutional law and administrative law. I must add, and this is very important for this conversation, is that I've interviewed Dr. Singleton before. I had no idea she was African-American, and it's very significant that you know that she is African-American before we talk about COVID and the relationship to ethnicity and why brown-skinned people and black-skinned people have higher rates of covid Okay, you've got to understand this. Dr. Singleton, welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. It's good to see you. Always an honor. <laughs> it's my honor, truthfully. Well, I want to start by saying thank you for taking the time out. It's, it's amazing that you are so brilliant. And um, people need to know more about your work. Oh. And I don't know how to put it. Your article on COVID-19 speaking up in black and white. Now, of course, I know who Dr. Mar Marilyn Singleton is because I've had her on the, the radio show. and I think once on the podcast, she's a board certified anesthesiologist, past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. She graduated from Stanford and earned her MD at UCSF Medical School. There's so much more. And there's so much more that needs to be heard because... Here is a woman who did it the right way, the hard way, the long way. And 
now we have people who want to cut the line and say, you owe it to me because I'm a this or I'm a that. I don't know how people are going to fly airplanes or perform surgery after all this is over. I, I, I'm terrified. Dr. Singleton, I watch a show called Air Disasters to relax at night. I know it sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> and what amazes me is the reconstruction of what went wrong by these brilliant people in the NTSB and engineers and scientists from Boeing. They could take pieces of a, of a plane and look at it and then run computer models and blah, blah, blah. And they figure it out. How are children who are being told that math is racist going to be able to do anything, Dr. Singleton? That's what worries me. Anything. The society is imploding like Chernobyl. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, that's what your article is about. A absolutely. The sad part is no one is born a victim, even in the worst circumstances. If we develop a proper attitude that we're human beings, and, and that's what the most important thing is. We're human. We have a brain. We have talents. Everyone has different talents, but we all have something to contribute. And that's what needs to be fostered in kids. Not that, well, you were born this way, so you're a victim. You're dark-skinned or you have some sort of disability. Everyone, everyone has something to contribute. And that's what we have to tell kids. We don't tell them that society is against them from the day they were born. That, to me, is just sick. It's just a sick way to deal with children. Dr. Singleton not only has a medical degree, but she went to UC Berkeley Law School, my alma mater, not the law school, but UC Berkeley, where I got my doctorate. And she focused on constitutional law and administrative law. She interned at the National Health Law Project. What am I saying? She's an MD. She's a lawyer. She did it the hard way. And now she's talking about COVID-19, speaking up in black and white. We'll talk about that in a minute. But going back to the bigger picture, the madness of our times, the left's technique of focusing on, quote, diversity, social justice, and schools instead of math and reading, we know what effect it's having on our children, a devastating effect. So critical race theory is clearly, you and I agree, Marxist to the core. It's meant to deconstruct and implode a society, turn people against each other. People are standing up to this, and they're standing up to it across the country. But the government itself under Biden is backing this kind of racist nonsense. What do you see? You live in Oakland, California. You know, when I first interviewed you, I had no idea what your race was, nor did I ask. Then, then you had mentioned you're African-American. And I say, wow, I mean, like, OK, all of this and you're African-American. Yeah, that's like derogatory. But but the thing is, don't children who are African-American or people of color or children of color need to hear from people like you more than they do? Absolutely. And it, frankly, it seems to be suppressed. When I had given talks to kids in middle school in Black History Month, my whole theme is there's more to black history than slavery. And yes, slavery was hideous. We can't deny that. But the other things we can't deny is the long history of black achievement. Even before the emancipation in the 1700s, black people were achieving in the United States. So this idea that, um, that this, 
I don't even know how to describe him. I'll just call him a fellow who writes about stamped from the beginning and that there was no way we'd ever succeed. It's just plain wrong. And all it does is set people up for excuses rather than trying to achieve. Dr. Singleton says, instead of learning the three R's, kindergartners are encouraged to explore their gender identity and question the family structure. That's unbelievable. And then you say the latest data show that only 35% of fourth graders are proficient in reading and 41% are proficient in math. And instead of learning the necessary skills to race to the top of the ladder of success, they have the tools to win the victim triathlon. This is a nightmare. As I say, if this keeps up, not only will people of color, but all of society will be unable to function. Who will pass a test to be a surgeon? What will they say? It's racist because you have to know how to be a surgeon. It's a white man's, uh, uh, what's the word now that they're using? White privilege to know how to use a scalpel. It's white privilege to know how to fly an airplane. It's crazy. It's actually crazy at its core. And you're one of the only people speaking out, and you're a very brave woman. You say COVID-19 added a new ingredient to the melting pot. And you said brown-skinned Americans fare more poorly with COVID than whites. Now, of course, they jump in and say it's because of white privilege and racism. We know that's rubbish. You say some reasons are sociological, such as crowded living conditions, working in service jobs that cannot be done from home and an inconsistent access to health care. That's all true. But then the physician in you adds this. Some reasons may be physiological. Studies have shown racial differences in the body's ACE2 receptors. These receptors help control inflammation, especially in those cells lining the blood vessels. And these are the sites where the spike protein of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes COVID-19 enter and infect healthy cells throughout the body. So people with brown skin have lower levels of vitamin D, which is a factor in the risk of contracting a SARS-CoV-2 infection and the severity of COVID-19. And you say there may be more ACE2 receptors in patients with hypertension, diabetes, and coronary artery disease, which are conditions that plague black Americans. In other words, there's a physiological reason, not a racial reason, or you could say it's racial in the sense that there's a difference in the physiology, correct? Isn't that what you're arguing? Exactly. And it's undeniable. And certainly the CDC knows this. Doctors know this. Public health people know this, that obesity is more prevalent in the black community. And some may be eating habits. And because certainly that's true in the Hispanic community as well. And as I say those words, it kind of makes me sick to have them come out of my mouth. I hate that term, oh, yeah. the community, as if everybody is some sort of monolith. But the first thing that should have come out with this COVID was education, education about eating, uh, things to improve your immunity rather than just sit back, get sick, wait for us to give you a vaccine to make it all go away. Had the education begun, I thought COVID would have been a perfect opportunity to step in with more preventive care information, more nutrition information, because people could see, oh, maybe this will help with COVID. And guess what? It'll help with everything. It'll help with all your health. Instead, 
this was maybe a year ago, or maybe a year and a half ago, the AMA comes out and says they're going to have different weight categories for black women because black women tend to be heavier than white women. <laughs> I mean, it makes no <laughs> sense. It's crazy. It's crazy. They're afraid that it would be racist to tell a black woman she should lose weight. Well, guess what? We could all stand to lose a few pounds, and that's not racist. Back in the Back. 70s, when I was at UC Berkeley studying nutrition, there was a big thing about uh, soul food and hypertension in the African-American community. And there was no pushback from anyone in the African-American community. People were rational and said, yeah, you know, we eat a lot of sodium. It definitely pushes hypertension. We understand cause and effect. So there were, were educational programs, as you probably recall, to teach African-American people in particular, cut back on salt in plain English. Nobody objected. How did this happen that we've devolved so rapidly into this state of not only non-science, but utter witchcraft? It's witchcraft and mass hysteria. And how do we stop it? Is anyone in the Biden administration listening to you? Absolutely not. And I'm sorry. That, I know the I answer. Mean, please. How could you even say that? <laughs> I'm it, sorry. It was it, a loaded question. Like I was hoping it. I was hoping beyond hope that you say, oh, yes, someone from HHS called me. They want me to give a presidential lecture on this. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, you're so droll. Even bringing that up, that it's just not going to happen. And in fact, they're perpetuating it. Look at some of the things that Biden has said about minorities, his his latest saying, oh, minorities are just as capable as starting a business, but they don't have accountants and lawyers. And you want to go say what? I never could believe that. I couldn't believe that. Accountants. Nobody could believe that. There are no black accountants and lawyers. Is he kidding? I wasn't though wasn't Obama a lawyer and, and Michelle Obama a lawyer? <laughs> what is he crazy? He it it's absolute nonsense. And I mean, and there's a whole well, used to be all black law school, Howard Law School in Washington, DC. It's like, don't you even know what's around the corner of where you live? So these remember someone wrote for George Bush a line that people need to remember, and it was called the soft bigotry of low expectations. Mm. And that has really become the watchword for the new social justice. And it's not justice. It's not fairness. All it does is demean minorities. And that's my big fight. We're strong. And nobody wants to be a victim. But if you train a kid from the minute he's out of the womb that he's a victim, he won't see anything else. And he's doomed. We need to take a break. We'll be right back with more with Dr. Marilyn Singleton. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Okay, we're back. I'm speaking with Dr. Marilyn Singleton about COVID in black and white. You know, it's interesting. You say that slavery is abhorrent as it was. The worst thing that could happen to a human is being enslaved. Clearly true. But the African-Americans should not make that the seminal identifying factor in their identity. 
You know, the same is true for my people, the Jewish people. I have so many years fought against this Holocaust mentality where the entire lens of Judaism, which is a 5,000 year old religion, is now seen only through the Holocaust. We must never forget the Holocaust. Blacks should never forget slavery. But when Jews start to say the Holocaust, the Holocaust, they become automatic victims and then they become defensive and then they become aggressive and they use it as a weapon, a weapon against everybody. You know, you catch them doing something, they scream Holocaust. And the same thing is going on now in the African-American community. You catch somebody who's failing, they say white privilege. You catch someone who can't keep up in medical school, they scream that the tests are racist. How do we stop this is the question. You and I know the truth. I was never a good student. It was a hard struggle for me. You'd think I was a brilliant student. I you two master's degrees and a PhD. I had to work very hard to overcome, well, looking back now on some learning disabilities. I never knew I had them. My mind was, was too discursive. I was always wandering and thinking about other stuff. I didn't know it was a learning disability. I just thought I was a dreamer. That's what they called it. Michael, wake up, sleepyhead. You're, get your head in. You know, they, you know, basically a nun today would slap the kid in the, in the hands. Wake up and focus. So I had a different kind of mind. So it was hard for me to memorize stuff. I overcame it because I wanted to earn these higher degrees because they mean something. Where are we going to be in five or 10 years when the degrees themselves are called white privilege or racist? What's going to happen, Dr. Singleton? Or if the degrees are so degraded in any meaning, it's like how student grades, it used to be an A meant something. Now it means nothing. And you have to have a student get an A plus, plus, plus mm. if that student is actually better. And now, of course, some places they're dissolving grades completely. So I do wonder what's going to happen. My husband and I constantly say, thank goodness we're old. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> I do have hope. <laughs> I do run into young folks who are really dynamic. They want to learn and they realize the value of actually having a skill, not just having somebody say, tap you on the top of the head and say, good boy, good girl. <laughs> um, you know, you've passed our phony test and now you can be leashed, unleashed into life. One of the things that people discover, and this is what's what's really bad, is when some of these folks get out into the real workforce, mm. they fail. And, and this was even shown even having um, high school students go to colleges that they're not prepared for, then they fail then they never go back to college. Whereas if you went to a college that was more equivalent to your level of achievement, then you'd actually finish and move on to do something with your life and not waste all the money, time, and not to mention the personal ego that gets destroyed when you fail and don't have somebody there to pick you up. Well, I agree 100%. So my family, my father was an immigrant. He was poor. He, little house, did well enough to support the family. So when I said, Dad, I want to go to college, he said, fine, fine, you'll go to a city college. I can't afford a private school. I was so hurt because all my friends, even though we we're in the same socioeconomic level, they were, they were better off than we were. They were all going away to various out-of-town schools, which was a status symbol. And I said, oh, God, I'm going to go by bus to college. 
Yeah, well, I went by bus to college and I worked at jobs in the summer and I had to do it. And you know what? I struggled through it and I still had a life. And then I worked my way back to graduate school. But the point is, is that, you you know, you have to deal with the, t- the cards you're dealt and you work your way through it. I wasn't really capable of going to a great school and studying engineering, for example. I didn't have the mind for it. At one point, for example, I thought I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. Why? Because I loved airplanes. But I don't have the skills to be an engineer. So should I scream that the the teaching of mathematics and physics is racist? I wouldn't even conceptualize something like that. Or the whites were trying to keep me out because I wasn't like them. I would never think of anything like that. They were smarter than me. They were better at me in school. That's all there was to it. Like Admiral Rickover, the great the great uh, uh, man who brought nuclear um, power to the submarine. He was a hero of mine. God, was he a genius. What did he have to overcome in the world of the white man in the military to rise to the top? He must have been smarter than them in a hundred different ways to get to the point of being an admiral and imposing the idea of a nuclear fleet on the submarine command. But he did it. How did he do it? Through sheer brains and hard work and drive. And the same applies to African-Americans, Hispanic people. I don't have to say Asians. I used to say at UC Berkeley, if it was 100% Asian, I'd be all for it. They, they earned it. They, people used to joke in the, seven, in the 80s, oh, it's becoming UC Hong Kong. I said, good. They all got in because they worked their behinds off. Nobody let them in. Now they're, they're calling them racist. Asians because they work too hard and there's too many of them, quote unquote, in the schools. It's crazy. So we need to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Savage Nation podcast. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. Let's go back to COVID-19 with Dr. Marilyn Singleton, whose article is amazing, called Speaking Up in Black and White. And let's focus on COVID for a few minutes. I know your time is limited. Instead of waiting for a vaccine, Dr. Singleton, what do you feel the government should have been doing to help? Educating, educating people on uh, nutrition, health, uh, some of the vitamin supplements. I know it sounds touchy feely, but you <laughs> no, know, no. it's my field. It's not touchy feely. <laughs> but and and no one can deny that good nutrition is overall helpful to your health. And enough studies have shown that probably half the things that are wrong with us could be changed by lifestyle. And interestingly, as COVID went on, after a couple months went on, the things that they discovered that helped people were exercise, sunshine, therefore getting vitamin D, and taking vitamin C, zinc, and uh, a supplement called quercetin. It's something that's in garlic and onions. And um, that helps drive zinc into the cells and zinc helps decrease the replication of viruses. None of this is a cure, but as with any disease, you look toward prevention, you look toward things that can help soften the disease if you get it. And the thing that was so bizarre about COVID, I can't think of a single thing that um, any medical problem that we might get where we aren't told right from the get-go, you do this, 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 this to try to make it better. Somebody diagnoses you with hypertension and they say, okay, you should exercise, you should cut down on your salt. Here COVID comes and they tell people to do nothing. 
Until wait for the, wait for the vaccine. Yeah, and others yeah. become dependent on the government again. Crazy. So we then mix in the black indigenous people of color nonsense, the privilege of white people, which is nonsense. And you understand, as I do, as you write, the Stalinesque cancel culture. It's a nightmare, a nightmare. And with a person like you, in my estimation, I mean, from I'm speaking to you and to the the large audience that we have on this podcast. How do you think that it's going to be stopped in time? Is there enough pushback? Private schools that they're taking their kids out. They're suing the schools. Teachers are quitting to stop this cancel culture and to stop this uh, um, critical Critical race race. theory. CRT. Critical race theory was invented by a low beta mind sociologist based not on science, but on pure unadulterated Marxism to divide the races. Do you think in time, there'll be enough pushback to stop this? I really do. I'm seeing more and more mothers groups forming, uh, homeschooling groups. And it used to, people used to say, oh, homeschoolers are kind of wackos or people on the edge. But mainstream, if you want to call it that, people are homeschooling now. And if there's something good that came out of having the kids be out of school, it was having parents see what the curriculum was see what their kids were being taught. So that was a good thing. And a lot of parents' eyes were open. They had no idea. Kids usually don't come home and say, oh, look what they taught me today. They just sort of absorb it and do it because that's what you do when you're a kid in school. Um, So I'm hopeful that now that parents know what's going on, that they'll speak up. The problem is, even when they speak up, the school boards still do nothing about it. They're still so beholden to people a little higher up. Everybody thinks that they're going to be part of the Politburo and they're going to be the big wig when all the dust settles. They're wrong. They'll be cast aside like the rest of the useful idiots, but... That's what they think. And so they're towing this sort of strange party line of racial division. And that's just not how people are. People do not wake up in the morning thinking, how can I hate on people of another race? That's mm. just not how people really are. And I think they'll, they realize this and they will fight against it. I think they've gone one step too far. Well, all of the violence that I see from the deranged, let's say, even the homeless people who are beating up Asians, we know it's it's a, it's a problem primarily of, let us say, really lower level minds from the gutter, walking the streets and punching an Asian in the face. I think this is trickle down violence that seeps down even to the illiterate in the streets where they say Asian bad, white bad, and then they have the license to, to hit a punch. I call it trickle-down violence. It's a new phrase. Now, you teach classes in the recognition of elder abuse and constitutional law for non-lawyers. That's interesting. And uh, I want to just summarize what Dr. Singleton's article was about. The title is COVID-19, Speaking Up in Black and White. In order to swoop in to the rescue, the government pharmaceutical complex could not allow the 34 million Americans who have had documented COVID-19 or a SARS-CoV-2 infection to depend on their natural immunity. Like a virus escaping from a lab or jumping from pangolin to infect humans, 
The government control expanded from BIPOCs to privileged white folks. We know that these little tiny Politburo health commissioners, such as this one here in Marin County, will never let go of the power that they've grabbed. They won't even reopen the restaurants when every other county has reopened restaurants because they're power mad. They never could believe that these unknown MPHs and low-grade MDs, who no one ever heard of, now suddenly have the power of a, a czar. The power of hundreds of thousands of people in a county. You can't eat. You can't drink. You can't drive. You see idiots driving around with masks on in their own car with no one there. And you, all you could do is shake your head. You realize how people are so easily victimized. Instead of getting angry at them or laughing at them, I pity them. But they, to me, symbolize the acquiescence or the supine nature of mankind. People are terrified of authority. They will bend to authority. And I'm afraid that the louder the voice, the more influence they have in these schools and elsewhere. And I, I don't know if I'm as optimistic as you. I do see a trend away from the critical race theory. I see people are saying the heck with you with this white privilege garbage. I came from poverty. Don't tell me I had privilege. I had nothing. My privilege was two jobs and night school. Don't tell me I had privilege. So people have to say, speak out more. But we'll be right back after this quick break. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Dr. Singleton, I wish there was a way that you could become a, a louder voice in this room of America. How do we get your voice out there? Oh, I tell you, there are many people like me who are trying. There's groups. There's uh, the Yoakum Black History Project, where they've written a book that's sort of counteracting all the negative black history, yes, they tell the truth, but they tell the positive stories. They tell the stories of the black patriots. The first person who died on Bunker Hill was black. All mm. these things and that people don't know. They don't know about Benjamin Benneker. What I try to do is for anyone who will listen, I will tell positive stories. I will tell stories about uh, Reginald Lewis, whose wonderful autobiography, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun, where he <laughs> tells how when he was a waiter at a country club in Baltimore and overheard the white guys talking about all these big stock deals. And he said, that's what I want to do. He ultimately ended up at Harvard Biz School and then did a huge leverage buyout of Beatrice International. So don't say that poor black people can't do it. But if you don't let kids know these stories, you don't let kids know the truth, then they will believe this garbage that they're being fed and call you an Uncle Tom or whatever name they want to call you, um, rather than really facing the music. And in people's hearts, they know that hard work can get you somewhere. And if it's a little harder, you have more to be proud of after you make it. I'm loath to ask this question, but I will, because she's from the same county as you are. What do you think of our vice president, Kamala Harris? Oh, wait. Uh, you, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm glad I haven't had lunch. Um, <laughs> I, if I could quote someone, she's as dumb as a stump and is a complete puppet of the Democratic Party higher ups who thought 
these are all the right boxes to check. And this is how we're going to get our first female president. We can't let it be a Republican like the first woman who ran for president was a Republican. All these things. Uh, she's an embarrassment. Let's put it that way. I think that between you and I just getting political for one minute, I don't want to drag you into this. But I watch what's going on with the border. First, he makes her the borders are and she doesn't go to the border. Then she finally gets the trip and the Guatemalan president says all of this illegal alien stuff coming over the border is because of your policies in America. It's not our fault. It's your fault. She doesn't know what to say. I think that the Biden team is trying to push her under the throw her out, make her really damage her politically. They've already done that. They're making it look like what she actually is. So something happened. They used her, I think, Dr. Singleton, to get Biden over the finish line with women and people of color because that's her identity. I think now the powers that are behind Biden want him gone. But what's waiting behind the scene? It's the person pushing her into these impossible situations could wind the vice president. None other than our neighbor from Pacific Heights, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. So uh, let's I, be careful what we wish for. I'll tell you my theory. And this will really make you sick. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that um, Kamala Harris will become president and appoint Gavin Newsom as the vice president. Oh, well, that's nice. There you go. <laughs> what, what a winning team that would be. <laughs> uh, she'll become president because of Mr. Biden's debility. Yes. Yep. And we have to remember the Constitution that. She's got to stay vice president for two and a half years so she can run for two terms, because if she becomes president too soon, then she can't run for two terms. So I yeah, that's and I can't remember which spot in the Constitution it is. It's in, I don't know, one of one of the amendments where they talk about replacing the president. And, and I so it must be the 25th where um Anyone who replaces the president can't have already been president for that two and a half year period. So um, if they want her to get the two full terms, then he's got to last out another year and a half. Oh, and I, what an interesting view. Yes. So there's a lot of little weavings in and out. And the thing is, if you have a malleable person, if you have a puppet then it really doesn't matter personally if she's dumb and can't handle it as she's shown with this border thing and breaking out into cackles it's going to get old pretty quickly whenever she's asked a difficult question so there's a choice of completely throwing her under the bus mm. while biden is still president or letting it just sort of play out mm. but they forget that there are Republicans who could possibly win. There's a lot of people <laughs> waiting in the wings. And even you have Tulsi Gabbard again, who's kind of somewhere in between kind yeah. of a libertarian and many people like her. So there's a lot of folks out there. Uh, so it's, I, if, if my life didn't depend on our country running well, I would find it amusing and an interesting historical chapter. 
But unfortunately, it's somewhat scary because it does affect our lives. So I yeah, don't- if we were looking at this like Brobing Dang, looking down on Brobing Dang, this is what they did in the 1700s. Sometimes I have to go forward to look back and laugh at it. But it's not a laughing matter in the situation that we find ourselves, and it could get much worse before it gets better. In any case, Dr. Singleton, as usual, it's fantastic speaking with you. Where can people follow your writings and your work? Um, go to my website, uh, MarilynSingletonMDJD.com, and all the stuff is kind of lined up there, plus some pieces by some other folks that are are along this line and trying to open people's eyes. And mostly, I fear for the children. That's kind of what I can end with. I always think uh, of you whenever I say that because of the way you say it. When all else fails, we're looking out for the children. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this time... (laughs) For the children, that was always... uh, that was uh, who was that? Uh, Clinton. That was Clinton. Always did it for the children, her and her friends. But Marilyn Singleton, MDJD. I have it in front of me, and it's S I N G L E Singleton, MDJD dot com. Marilyn Singleton, MDJD dot com. A pleasure, a pleasure. I thank God you're on this planet at the same time I am, or I would have given up hope a long time ago. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Have a good lunch. You know, I had lunch. I gagged on it before we we went to do this interview. I ate some leftover. I lost my appetite when you started mentioning Kamala Harris in the two and a half years. Oh, my God. Thank you very much. (laughs) Pleasure to see you. Be well. Bye now. Bye bye. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to hear a small part of a remarkable interview with a jazz musician that I recorded for the Savage Exclusive Premium Podcast. And it's to give you an idea of what you'll receive when you subscribe to a premium subscription. You're about to hear an interview I have just done with Sam Gendel. Now, who is he? He's a young guy. He's a saxophone musician who years ago used to listen to my show. And he wrote down a number of things that I said and turned them into poetry. He set them to a poetic style which he accompanied by his own jazz music. And the death poem is one of the examples of what he did. Well, I interviewed him recently just for the premium podcast, which I know you're going to enjoy. Let's listen. I hope you enjoy it. And thank you for the premium podcast subscription. Hi, Sam. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, nice to see you. So I'm going to set the background here. This is a very interesting thing. We've never actually seen each other even on Skype, have we? Uh, Well, we we met once. Where? Uh, I don't have Alzheimer's, but... We met once and we walked around a a weird shopping mall. (laughs) We walked into Nordstrom together. Here in Marin County? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you came up. God, that must be 10 years ago. Uh, It was, I mean, pretty close, probably, yeah. You know, I want the people to understand something. How did you and I meet? Let let me give her a background. It's amazing. (laughs) About how many years ago, Sam, did you do this? It it was 2013. I, I looked it up. Wow. 
So 2013, a young man, I didn't know if he was young or old, sends me a thing called The Found Poetry of Michael Savage. And I said, what the hell is this? I didn't write any poetry like this. And it's City by the Bay, Diplomat, Hypnopedia, Posures, The Dining Room, Where Are They Now, Sinful Nation. Hundreds of pieces that I had no no idea I had done. (laughs) And, okay, I'm going to read one, Sam, just for the origins riding a bicycle today and it hit me what if there is nothing even though that Teresa had her doubts what if at the end of it all it's pure emptiness but there must be a creator I assured myself every man of thought has come to the same conclusion in the end I kept writing so I okay great so you're laughing now you're a jazz musician so you get the joke it's all a giant cosmic joke in a way as as Henry Rillo taught us but what is it that motivated you over the years to pull pieces out of my shows and turn them into these selections? How did you do it even? I think I've pro- I think that the what you're reading on the page is is actually how I hear what you said in that moment. I, even though there was a bunch of other language probably in between all that connecting all those words together in a I only hear that. So, and I think that's just how I kind of go through life in general. Even with music, that's kind of how I listen to music. Oh. I, I, I end up hearing my own version of what I'm listening to in my head. And <laughs> I love so you selectively yeah. eliminate garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's my survival tactic. Well, <laughs> yeah. I have super sensitive hearing and smell and, uh, and vision. Probably they call it the spectrum of some kind. I can't be in a restaurant for very long. I can hear people across the room if they bother me. I get agitated. Do you have the same problem? (laughs) I tune tune in heavily to my surroundings. And it's it's interesting. And I try to be invisible in public as well because I hear how easily you can, you know, catch a conversation and I don't want to be heard ever. So, you know. Well, you're a jazz musician. And I'm going to tell how, how, how we met after you <laughs> yeah, said this. So I'm going to read another one that you pulled off. Sure. Some of them are funny. I haven't seen these in 15 years. So I'm going to look yeah. at them. For the, let's see if they're still funny. The dining room. It was such a small dining room that you. <laughs> it was such a small dining room that you risked castration. If you didn't bend back as you were passing a chair, you were constantly having a contort that you'd hit your head against the woman's sprayed hair. It was crazy and wonderful in that tiny dining room. Now, I wrote about, I was talking about my mother's little dining room <laughs> yeah, in Queens, New York, for the yeah, big yeah. Passover dinners. Yeah. 20 people at this table, but it was wonderful. But you had to yeah. watch out that you didn't cut your schmendrick off on the you, way to the yeah, turkey yeah. leg. You talked about how she, uh, you only, she only had a four burner stove, but she could turn out these giant meals. And I just, I just think it's great. I mean, it, it cracks me up. That's a movie. I mean, yeah. Okay. One more. Then we're going to go to Palm Desert Blues. Why would anyone ever want to live in Palm Desert? <laughs> they think they're Frank Sinatra. Even the dates don't want to be there. They can't wait to be picked. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's. I just find that hilarious and truth and true. <laughs> but yeah. let me ask you, you were a listener to the, the the Savage Nation radio show where online in L.A.? Because I wasn't on I, in L.A. I heard it when I was younger, just where I grew up. And it, it was just on the radio. Where? In the What's, Central Valley. OK, I was you on know. some stations there. OK, yeah. so you picked and, up this crazy guy talking with the, <laughs> yeah. the family voice. Who the hell is he? Right. That kind Everything, of thing. Well, just it's. Uh, 
so I find just so much is boring out there and and you were just so weird on the air and I was I thought this is great and and I heard and what you know all those things I picked out of yours and put on paper in an edited format are are just the gems that I would just kind of collect that I just thought were so funny and rare and I wanted to just you know immortalize them somehow so i just had this strange idea to just write write them down in a in a a found poetry format and suddenly i had this collection and then i i just uploaded them described and i'm i remember i made this fake press release about it and i sent it out to some people and i think one of the people i sent it to sent it to you and then literally the same day it went up I don't know if you remember this, but you sent me in all caps. <laughs> I did. I a got angry. Cease and desist letter. Cease and desist. You're stealing my work. Who the hell are you? Yeah, and I was so scared and nervous. Oh, and I thought, I'm so and, sorry. No, I, I just. I mean, I also thought it was hilarious, and I was. I, I thought I was victorious in this. <laughs> and, you know, I and, think you ought, you ought to make a found poem out of cease and desist. I mean, it, it is, I, st- I must still have a screenshot of that somewhere. It's I so apologize, funny. Sam. I, 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 then we got to know each other, and I said, wait a minute. He's just a nice guy who likes my work. No, literally, you. I think you went on your show later, after, after, right after you sent me that letter, and you talked about it and how much you liked it. And I was like, oh, okay, we're good. <laughs> of this remarkable interview at any time by subscribing to the Savage Exclusive Premium Podcast now. We've come up with a premium offering called the Savage Exclusive. What does it include? 100% commercial-free podcast, no ads. 26 years of the most requested Savage shows and portions of shows. The great monologues, the poems, the stories the Nutty Callers, exclusive Savage Soliloquies, and the Savage Library of Shows, some of which date back to 1994 on KSFO. You're not going to believe this. We're going to give you the most requested Savage shows of the past, such as The Death Poem, The First Savage Trump Interview, White Male Inventions, Apathy and Jazz, and many, many more. Plus, you're going to get fresh, Original Michael Savage features you cannot hear on the basic podcast, such as a look behind the scenes of how we actually make a podcast, all of us talking with each other, readings from my novels and books, travels around my hometown, as I tell you what it's like to walk through San Francisco today, all of the above for less than the cost of one drink in a bar per month. So listen, if you still believe in borders, language, and culture, as the guiding principles of this great nation, as I do, please consider joining the Savage Exclusive Club. Please know we will never dilute the basic podcast you get on your podcast service every week with my news, views, reviews, and special topics. If you did not join the Exclusive Club, you will still get the basic podcast absolutely free. Details will be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. There's lots more for me to tell you about. I'm going to give you a link right now. And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. 
glow.fm slash savage premium if you click on it you're going to see a cartoon of me join savages exclusive club with the rate and you just click and you join you're going to love it i appreciate it very much i hope you join the savage exclusive club thank you for listening Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.